The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's October the 6th, 2023, and this is episode five. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the debut of the BMW i5 and what it's like to drive, the Tesla Model Y rear-wheel drive returns to the Tesla menu, the debut of the Rivian Max Pack and why that's disappointing, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel, Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the debonair Mr. Tom Alagi, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the magnanimous Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily Podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of out of spec studios, where he produces high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Hey there. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you all. So I guess let's kick this thing off with the EV News Daily Weekly Reporting Roundup. Well, let's kick off with the big news of the week in terms of the NAX Tesla plug, and that's Hyundai confirming the North American charging standard for its future BEVs. Transitioning from the CCS1 ports, Hyundai will incorporate the NAX ports into their new and updated EV models for the US market from Q4 2024. Canadian models get the change from the first half of 2025. An adapter bridging existing Hyundai EVs with CCS1 to NAX is slated for a Q1 release in 2025. Speculation arose because of the 800-volt architecture of those vehicles and the current superchargers running 400 volts. Anticipated fourth-gen superchargers will be 1,000 volts, which doesn't be, mean a problem for the EGMP cars. Well done to Norway. In September, plug-in electric vehicles was 93% of Norway's auto market. That's up from 89.1% the same period last year. Model Y, the top seller of that 93%, BEVs were 87% and the rest plug-in hybrids. Volvo announcing the US pricing for their compact EX30. Of course, a made-in-China EV, but not getting the tax credit doesn't seem to be a problem for the price. It will indeed start under $35,000 for the core trim. Single motor, 275 miles of range. Customers can look forward to pre-ordering this upcoming autumn. Sorry, fall. First batch of deliveries, first half of 2024. Did you see the Jay Leno video this week? He got to drive the Tesla semi-truck. It was like a 45-minute video. Big chat with Chief Designer Franz von Holzhausen and Senior Manager of Semi-Engineering Dan Priestley talking about all sorts of things I thought were very interesting. Now, Dan mentioned that the truck, like the Cybertruck, is an 800 to a 1,000-volt architecture, which I think we knew. Was that official? Did we officially know that, that the Cybertruck is going to be 800-volt plus? I think we officially knew it. Anyway, maybe it was just a rumour. That was confirmed after a brief 
test drive. They also coupled a trailer. And what was fascinating watching this video was how impressed Jay Leno was about the drivability of the truck, whether you were towing or not. Tesla has made about 60 to 70 of the semi-trucks. That was confirmed in the video as well. Uh, that'll be made, of course, in the Giga Nevada complex. They're spending 3.6 billion US dollars for the semi and the 4680 cells in Nevada and the production there. Big news from Ford this week. The F-150 Lightning has a new spec trim level, the Flash. The best of the most popular bits of the models either side of it, if you like. Between the Lariat and the XLT has a mix of those features. Blue Cruise 1.2, EPA range of a 320 miles, extended range battery, the big touchscreen, 15.5 inch, on sale, 69995 to get the EV tax credit of 7500 And it'll have a heat pump as standard as well. Interesting. Lucid introducing their budget option i'm not sure they want me to call it that and it's certainly not a budget at uh, seventy-seven thousand dollars but it's the entry price that they promised back in 2020 and it's your entry into the lucid brand 410 miles of range on the 19 inch wheels and the design choice saves about five thousand dollars compared to the air pure all-wheel drive previously the most affordable model there of course it does top out at the sapphire at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at lucid Tesla reintroduced their standard range Model Y, which had been previously phased out. It's $45,630, 260 miles of range. And for those that don't care about either the longer range or any of the extra features like the all-wheel drive, I think this will be enormously popular. Rivian's Q3 production was 16,304 vehicles at their normal plant in Illinois. Wall Street Journal saying they've used half of their $18 billion in their war chest for their cash reserve, losing $33,000 per vehicle sold in Q2. Those numbers are combined, the R1T, R1S and Amazon's EDV. During an interview with CNBC's Squawkbox, RJ Scaringe outlined a strategy to move towards profitability and said that it gets better every quarter. And they boasted $9.2 billion in cash at the end of the quarter. Plenty, they say, of cash reserves. And Rivian rolling out the Max Pack for their dual motor versions, the R1T and the S. The R1T with the Max battery, 410 miles of range. And the Max Pack increases the vehicle cost by $16,000. R1T deliveries already in progress. R1S Max Battery Packs available later this year. That is your news. Thank you for the lovely comments last week about this new news section. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who left one of those. That's what's happened this week. And we'll get on to all of those stories. Maybe not all of them, depending on how much we chit-chat on the podcast today. Dom, it's back to you. That was great, Martin. Thank you. I love the uh, this news section. I think the the audience likes it also. Our weekly news roundup. But uh, but Martin, it's missing like a jingle or something to introduce you. So I think we need to put something together like that. It just jumps right into the news thing. So yeah. for next week, can, can you put together something fun that uh, kind of introduces what we're doing? I think that might be a little might be a good addition. We got to we got to think outside the box and start doing things a little bit. Uh, you know. Pushing the limits here on batteries included. A jingle? Okay. Well, okay. I mean, I might I'm be kinda, corny, but I think it'll be fun. I'm not imagining like a like I like the US talk shows, the late night shows, and they always have the little monologue. They do a bit like a sting. That kind exactly. Of, you think exactly. like that? 
Yeah. Okay. See All what right. you well, put together. Let me get thinking about that. Any ideas? Leave us in the comments. You think a jingle? Okay, right. Kyle. Dom, no, Dom, how are you? Oh, um, I'm okay. Well, you I'm, don't sound okay. Yeah. I've been a little bit under the weather. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I was on a long road trip. And I think uh, coming up to elevation, maybe to like the northern Colorado elevation of whatever it is, 5,000, 6,000 feet, it's all taken like a toll on my throat. I'm getting better, actually. It sounds terrible, but I'm actually feeling a lot better. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right. But let's get to what we're doing. So, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Wait, shouldn't we mention that you're here in Colorado? Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> well, I sort of just did. But actually, Kyle and I are in the same room. Actually, at the moment. I, I mean, yeah. is, there, hey, is, there, is there, I mean, there's no evidence of that. We can just see you both on screen. Like, right, one no. of you go in the other picture. It looks like I'm, a totally different room, yeah, too. If it, if it didn't happen, then it did, you know, you're not there because it's a different white balance. I'm, I'm oh, out. There <laughs> All right. Also, now we believe him. <laughs> that's very as much. Off. Oh yeah, that's much, much better. better. Yeah, that's oh, much, much better. better. There you. we go. It's the same room now. And and, and we apologize. <laughs> that's why we got off to a late start today because there was some audio issues with them both being in the same room, and it was the sound was terrible. So we had to straighten that out. Sorry, we we're a couple minutes late today, yeah. but we're all sorted now. Yeah, we got these fancy mics that are they're kind of cool. Look at that. Cool. Wow. All right. So, Kyle. Morning. You, Good morning. Good morning. You told us about driving the BMW i7 M70 recently in Portugal, but actually you were there for the express purposes of driving the new BMW i5. And I understand you got to spend time spend time behind the wheel of both the rear drive E Drive 40 and the X Drive M60. And I guess the I've heard that the these two cars have pretty different characteristics. So maybe start with, tell us about uh, the E-Drive 40 or just maybe the M5 overall first. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about just I-5 in general. And, um, you know, maybe we can pull up some tweets or something. I don't know. But either way, the videos are live on YouTube. Uh, Martin's got his cat, but we don't know your cat's name, Martin. Well, I've, I've got two black cats with their rescue cats. And this one's Molly. So she's the sister of the litter. Uh, and Max, uh, Max is the big boy somewhere he really is he really is the max pack uh he's <laughs> yes. uh, he's, uh, he's huge um but uh, this is she's, she's my little girl she's molly so she says hello to the audience today good morning molly pets are always more important than cars so that's great we got that covered anyway back to the bmw i5 um this is the new electric five series and actually it's the new five series in general so it's an, you know, everyone knows BMW 5 Series. This is the next generation. Similar to what they did with i7 is it's the same platform. So um, that supports combustion, electric, plug-in hybrid, uh, all of the technologies in one. And okay, on the face of it, it sounds like a pretty compromised idea because how can you have a perfectly tuned electric car and then a perfectly tuned combustion car like, what's going on here? Because Mercedes took a completely different approach where they did a ground-up platform for their electric cars and made it the, you know, EQE, EQS, and so on, and um, then kept their combustion cars as one line. Here, BMW said, no, let's keep it all as one car. That will be battery electric, plug-in hybrid, gas, and diesel. 
And it worked for the seven series because at, when we were able to test that car, it was incredibly efficient. It drove incredibly well. It still does things better than almost any other electric car in the market. Not everything, but noise performance, ride quality, um, you know, the way that the powertrain is extremely smooth. Almost no other EV can match this car. So it's like, okay, BMW knows how to build a pretty competent machine. And they have just refined everything for the i5. And so I didn't drive any of the combustion versions of this car. I only drove the electric ones. And uh, it was just because that's all that was there to drive. I would have driven the combustion ones. And I would be curious to see how well they're optimized. But the car looks pretty good. Um, it's fairly controversial, just like any BMW styling. But I think they toned it down, uh, especially in the grills up front. It's got an 81.2, 81.4 kilowatt hour battery pack uh, in the middle. It actually uses shorter cells than the seven so that they can use the same floor pan, gas or electric. So you don't sit higher in the electric one, which is cool. It's got a pretty small battery pack, though. Only 81 kilowatt hours in a five series seems pretty low to me. Um, but it comes in two flavors. You can get a rear wheel drive. It's called the E-Drive 40 or the all wheel drive spicier M60. The car itself is just extremely refined, but um, you know you can definitely tell it's a step down from a seven in certain areas, especially wind noise on the highway is quite loud, but it has great uh, driver assistance and all these things. And unfortunately, no North American charging standard port confirmed for BMW yet, but trust me, I did my part uh, to try and get them to put it on the car, and I think they realize what they need to do. Right on. That was the E Drive, uh, E E Drive Forty. <laughs> well, I I haven't spoken about both yet, but oh. yeah. So I I drove the E Drive Forty and the M Sixty, of course. Right. The E Drive Forty being the rear wheel drive, long range version, if you will, just about two hundred ninety five miles in the EPA estimated range, which doesn't seem like enough for a five series sixty. $3,000 starting, though, isn't bad for all of the quality and engineering that you're getting. So I think it's priced, you know, it's $40,000 less than a 7 Series. And is it $40,000 less car? My answer is no. The 5 Series has never been that much less car than a 7. But you really only go for the 7 if you want the best. So this is going to be the volume model, at least for the time being. And um, the, the rear-wheel drive car wasn't extremely fast. It wasn't it, it handled great. It was competent. It does everything a five series needs to do rear air suspension as standard. So the car just is controlled and it's, it's really comfortable. And you know, overall the manners are great. You can step up to the M60 version again, dual motor, all wheel drive, a little bit spicier, but not spicy enough. If you're going to put an M badge on the car. So I overheated it and like pretty quickly at thermal derated, and BMW like checked the car and they just got back to me yesterday and they're like, oh no, actually everything's fine with the car. So must have just been low state of charge and hard driving, but it derated a bit earlier than I was expecting. So that was, that was a bit of a, a disappointment. Um, but of course it needs to do some more, uh, more, more testing here. The big news is BMW is going to offer a wagon version. So that's oh. what I'm excited about. We're going to oh. have an I-5 touring and uh, Martin, would that end up in your driveway one day? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh, here's the other one. I just, I just found another one down here. So oh. Max is here. <laughs> oh no, Max. No, this is Max. Yes, and while he's gonna sleep down there, <laughs> and Max has got and Max come over here to see what you guys are up to. 
Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, absolutely. Oh, goodness me, the estate version, the touring version, the wagon version. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, when you're over here in Europe and you're doing your test drives over here, you just know how many you see on the German roads and wherever you are. You just see loads of them around. They're practical, and I don't want to turn into that kind of cliche SUV crossover basher. Um, but like, I mean, I genuinely am in that place now because the Kona is too small for us. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've realised that with all the baby stuff, and um, it's like actually, I don't need i don't like my wife likes the suv crossover slightly if you get one that you do sit higher in rather than just a car made to look chunky so she likes the elevated driving position uh but i think i've only owned one yeah i had the skoda octavia vrs the one the police drive over here that in estate form yeah uh, those like, look we, great like we renovated this was pre my ev days like we renovated a house with that do you know what i mean like everything went in the back of it doors and a skirting board and everything you need to, like it was such a great utility vehicle i sold it to a surfer who just wanted to uh, just stick a surfboard in the back and then sleep in the back of it for a summer and um like that just goes to the utility of that vehicle so uh, yeah, an estate version, a wagon version, it would sell here. I doubt it would sell where you are, um, but it would certainly sell well here. Awesome. So how is the uh, E-Drive 40 handling and suspension? I understand it's a little different from the M60. Yeah, so uh, E-Drive's just, uh, you know, the, the rear-wheel drive car is just softened up a little bit, or I should say it's really, that's the standard setup for the car. And then they kind of tune the bushings and tighten everything up, maybe 5% here, 10% here for the M60. It was cool because I think like most five series owners are not going to the track and care about handling dynamics so much, but the car needs to be competent and inspire confidence while driving. And you can, not that the car encourages you to drive quickly. There's nothing about driving this car that's like, yeah, let's send it through corners. But if you do, it's got double wishbones up front. The whole car is just like super uh, solid in corners. It has active roll stabilization in the M60 version. The E-Drive 40, I actually preferred the rear-wheel drive car over the all-wheel drive one. Really? Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a better cruiser. I thought it was more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I I don't need a lot of power in a car. I just, especially in a cruiser like this, I, it, it had 335 horsepower. It's plenty to get out of its own way. You'll use full power, of course, to get around. But there was just something so fluid about a rear-wheel drive BMW. I just love the the pure essence of it. You can go ESP full off. And we're just coming out of corners with little opposite locks here and there. And it was just, just so much fun. Uh, the M60, you know, like tries to be sporty in certain ways. By the way, both cars have uh, the same brake pedal, but an incredible brake pedal. This is the new textbook <laughs> brake pedal in the industry. Just amazing. And so really impressive uh, brake blending. It's a brake by wire system. And it just is, it's better than i7. It's tuned a bit sharper as well. Same system, different software on it. Uh, yeah. And so, so eDrive 40 was just great. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but holy smokes, this is a great car. And, you know, there's just so many people, especially like where Tom lives in New Jersey, where five series is extremely popular. They are not that popular here in Colorado. You know, you have BMW headquarters right down the street from Tom. You're going to see these around and it's going to be like the Northeast car, I think. BMW has a huge miss, though, which is they don't offer the trim level of this car that everyone wants, which is the non-performance all-wheel drive. 5 Series, not meant to be sporty. You get an M5 if you want a crazy machine, and that's going to be a plug-in hybrid with the V8, and I'm so excited for the next-gen M5, and we just spotted an M5 Touring, which is going to be epic. 
But if you're going for electric, I think you just want dual motor, comfort, long range, remove all the, the M-like stuff, which is not true M stuff. And uh, they, they need to do it because with I4, if you guys remember, they launched the car same way, rear-wheel drive and then spicy all-wheel drive. Then a year after start of production, they launched the non-spicy all-wheel drive. In Tesla speak, it would be the long-range all-wheel drive. They need to do the same for the 5 Series as soon as possible. Well, they and, probably will. And one question I have, I know you you, you don't want to um, beat this too long. Ergonomics. How were the buttons and knobs and display? Like, how, how did you feel when you sat in it? Did everything feel natural? Did you have to reach? Was everything where you wanted it to be? How did they lay out all the controls? It's, it's pretty much the same as i7. So I'm super familiar with BMWs now. I've done... 30,000 miles in the new electric ones combined, something like this. So like I got the BMW touch points down. Also new software 8.5 on the iDrive display really cleans up the whole infotainment, climate control settings, heated seat settings, which were just infuriating before because what they would do not to nerd out too much is Martin, let's say you wanted to put on your air conditioned seat. So you would go, I want it on two out of three. So what it would do is it would go two until you get into a certain temperature and then shut off. And then as the seat would warm up, it would turn back on. And I'm like, no, no, I just want it to stay constantly in the middle. There was no way to do this on the old system. Wow. Um, and so now you have like three settings that operate the way it should. Mm. <laughs> so it's much better. Oh, that's interesting. And what was the time scale on this? If I missed it, apologies. In terms of when it's arriving, ooh, not soon enough. Sadly, yeah. I think uh, next year, deep into next year, we're going to see these things. Maybe, maybe May, June, July, August, September. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> it covers okay. a big swath of twenty twenty four. I like the styling. I think it looks really, really good. I think it's done a great Personally. job. Yeah, yeah they certainly less controversial than some of the more other more recent vehicles. Like I the like i seven's got a kind of. You know, contra or, yeah, controversial front end on it. You know, well, it's just so much car. The i seven is just so much of everything, right? So it's great it's, though. You drive yeah. it. You, it's the closest thing to a Rolls Royce without a Rolls Royce badge. And then this, you can sit a little bit lower. You still get a lot of that i seven drivetrain control, which is wonderful. So it's got a six phase motor in the rear, so it's no cogging, really quiet. Everything's awesome. And um, wow, it's it. It really is like if you're between, should I get a five or should I get a seven? Get the five series electric. Uh, but if you're like, I gotta have the best, then you get a seven series. Okay. So what, what do you think this uh, competes against? Oh, well, EQE is a, EQE. a main direct okay. competitor, of right. course. Uh, I think that's really where people are going to be shopping because you'll have like, you know, in the non-Tesla category, what, what I'm finding from our audience is like they either want a Tesla right. or they want something that's not a Tesla. And so if you're in that not a Tesla category, then your EQE, this, maybe Ionic 6, but that's really on the low end in yeah. comparison. Uh, this is certainly a step above that car. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I really hope they bring the touring here. I doubt they will, but I didn't get a chance to see it. Some other journalists did. Um, I was out driving when they showed everyone the sneak preview. I was so bummed because I was like, oh, but I don't think I'd be allowed to talk about it anyway. So maybe not a huge deal. Right on. All right, so it's, uh, anything else we want to say about the i5? Nope. I keep looking over here to my right. No, to my just right look at because... your computer. Don't, bother, don't <laughs> pretend I'm not over here. I know. I've got weird audio issues going on. I can hear him there, and I have him one ear as well, but not at the same time. Anyway, 
Uh, let's talk about some other vehicles that you had this week. So you also had on loan the Lexus RZ450E, which I also got a chance to drive just a little bit. And uh, yeah, so, wow. Uh, I'm not sure how much time we want to spend on the RZ450E, but it's a quite a car. What do you think, Kyle? Well, let's hear your impression first, because you got to spend quite a bit of time with it. You were there for some of the testing we did as well. So right. what's Dom's review of the RZ450? Maybe we should explain what the car is first. Right. This is the sister to the BZ4X and Subaru Solterra, built on the E-Tanga platform. The all-wheel drive uh, only uh, available RZ actually comes with the BZ4X front-wheel drive battery. Are you confused yet? Tom, because this is really stupid. Anyway, they have two different battery packs for these cars. Right. And in Toyota world, we've documented before, they put the bigger battery in the all-wheel drive, which makes sense, but it only charges at 86 kilowatts. So then you can get the slightly smaller battery in the front-wheel drive car, and it charges at 150 kilowatts. Makes and no it's sense. like, I'll take that compromise. So the Lexus guy said, yeah, we'll take a little bit less range. Actually, a lot of bit less range. And... um you know, we'll slap in the faster charging speeds, but then it's actually not really that fast. Before we get into the real technical limitations of this car, I just have to set everyone up with, this was a $67,000 car and it went 172, 174 miles Whoa. in our 70 mile per hour highway range test. <laughs> right. Wow. So with that information, wow. you, have, you have to really keep that in mind when you're looking at all the other things. So, you know, it's, you get inside, it's kind of looks... Well, you can see the styling here on the screen. It's, uh, I would say, polarizing. It's, I mean, it's better than the BC4X, I think, in, in my personal opinion. I like the front end. The front end at night actually looks quite nice. The Lexus symbol lights up, which some people don't like, but it's, it seems really, uh, relatively constrained on the Lexus. Uh, but yeah, so you get inside. Interior is pretty nice. I'm not sure if it rises quite to $67,000, $68,000, but it's decent, and uh, yeah, I can see a bit of the interior there. It's got yeah, it's nice soft touch materials around. Uh, but yeah, sixty eight thousand dollars. That's going through your mind the whole time. But it's a uh, rides nice and quietly. The ride itself is like smooth. It's uh, say nicer than a Model Y for certainly. Um, yeah, pretty uh, highway speeds. We I didn't drive it at highway speeds. Kyle said it's a, it's a bit noisy with wind noise at, at the highway speeds, but. Uh, regular street drive or city driving, it was fine. It was nice and kind of quiet. And uh, yeah, the ride was great. But yeah. Okay, I got more info for you. 172 miles of range at 72 miles an hour is not great. And then the charging. Well, that's the thing. So, so okay. So I, I hate to evaluate cars and I have a full review going up on this uh, right after this podcast, it goes live. But um, I hate evaluating cars on range per dollar yeah. because there's so many other things that matter about a car uh, that like our e-tron is a great example where, yeah, not that much range, but the charging performance makes up for the range on a road trip. And you're, you've got this bank vault like feeling the RZ has nothing that makes up for the poor range. Um, it's really not good. I'm, I, and the whole car was rattling, by the way. It's like not even built well. You can't even use Toyota build quality because it sounded like it was falling apart. Um, it really wasn't good. So the charging performance is, okay, on first glance, not bad. And in the context of BZ4X, which we've tested, and even though Toyota says BZ4X should see 100 kilowatts peak, no owner has ever seen more than 86 kilowatts on the all-wheel drive, this you know bigger battery. 
um, I plugged in the RZ, you'll see it in the video, and I got 140 kilowatts. And I'm like, holy smokes, this thing's ripping because you're so I'm so used to BZ4X, which just doesn't charge well. And so I was like, okay, this is awesome. Maybe we can forgive. My my biggest concern is like someone who's going to get this car is not coming to the Lexus brand to buy this car. They are someone who's leased an RX for the last 10 years and had a UX or an NX, whatever. And the dealership's like, ah, we got an electric one. Take this. So my concern was like, are they going to have a bad ownership experience if they go for the RZ? And I think the answer is in general, no, until they go on a road trip. Yeah. By the way, it still only has a 6.6 kilowatt onboard charger. So it's 32 amps, which is Ouch. just insane. Uh, I mean, like absolutely insane. $70,000 almost, no tax credit. And it's got 32 amp charging. It's like 2015 um, AC charging. I yeah. know it's 2024. That's like 10 years ago. That was weak. 6.6, you know? Yeah. Oh. So, so then you get to like, okay, the Lexus owner who leased this thing has to like go visit their granddaughter because they're going to be 90 and they have to drive somewhere to, to get there. So they're going to get to a DC fast charger, plug in, and it's going to be good because it, it has, um, as long as they have the setting for max DC charging rate set to max, you'll get 140 kilowatts. And I actually parked it next to a viewer was next to me at a charging station and he had an ID for pre uh, Chattanooga is one of the German ones with the old battery. And it was like perfectly matching the charging curve. And I'm like, you know what? That's minimum acceptability. I'm not going to complain about the charging until we started to do some testing with the RC when we realized that there is a DC kilowatt hour added counter before it limits your charging speed in a certain period of time. So we've I've gotten some notes from BZ4X uh, viewers of ours who went on a road trip and they said, our car will not charge past level two charging speed, six kilowatts, something like this. And it's once you add something like the equivalent of 200 kilowatt hours in a 24 hour period in BZ4X, it like shuts down the DC charging maximum speeds to something very low. And we kept running into a 65 or 66 kilowatt limitation on the RZ. So we dump in 30, 35 kilowatt hours and then boom, we're down to, down to 60 kilowatts for the rest of the day. Right. We're like, we can't get big speeds anymore. And we have all the OBD data monitoring temperatures of the battery packs. We're like, everything's the same, same charger, and it's repeatable. So it has some sort of DC counter in there to limit your peak speed. So you get one good charge, and then you're done for the day. One and done. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just, I don't even want to talk about this car anymore. <clears throat> it's the oddest. It's the oddest decision to do it. Uh, it's not arbitrary because the engineers would have would have said in a meeting oh in about 24 hours you know everything's kind of back you know if you really hammered it and and got everything up to temperature and dc fast charged it it takes about 24 hours to get back to baseline again and then someone's gone oh 24 hours you say we can make that work sir <laughs> and it's like it's like they're just taking some sort of literal technical thing and gone well let's ignore all of the sensor data that we can have right and just put in it is almost an arbitrary time limit which when yeah. i heard that, like the bz4x owners talking about uh, sort of this this kind of maximum charging per day because i've never experienced it myself i was almost inclined to sort of just ignore the online rumors because i'm like no car company would do that like no one would be that stupid <laughs> so, <laughs> don't but, get but, martin going on toyota <laughs> i just, it just it, you know, just, <laughs> 
but it sounds like it's true. And I and again, I've never tested these vehicles myself to go and replicate it perfectly so that I can come out and say they have done this. But by the sounds of it, unless Toyota PR wanna or Lexus PR wanna contact and say, no, 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 yeah, that's absolutely wrong what you're saying. What an odd it's a reason that nobody should buy this. They car. can't say they, it's wrong what we're saying because we documented it over well, 10 charging sessions. That's the thing. Like you have done this, and if you are planned to do this any more than use it as a golf cart around your retirement village in Florida, do not buy this car. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. If you are just staying in the villages, which is where you're gonna see these things, <laughs> then it is perfect. It's actually got a cool interior. It's got a banging sound system over 1600 Watts or something oh, yeah, crazy. The sound like, was good. Yeah. Yeah. It will blow your ears out. It was awesome. Like it does some things really well. It's got cool ambient lighting. Um, it actually, like I thought handling wise was pretty good. I really loved the suspension. Truly my impression. It uses uh, frequency response dampers like the new model three refresh. So it was cool to like play around with those and watch how it, passively adapts the damping forces of the car on the rebound. And I was like, that's, that's neat. There's some really cool stuff in there, but I keep coming back to, I own a Lexus as an example. It is the best engineered car in the world. It's an LS 400. They spent years and millions and maybe billions of dollars. I don't know, engineering the best craziest down to the nth degree. Lexus builds the LFA, which is a, multi hundred thousand dollar supercar with a v10 that sounds amazing they build the lc 500 which is a gorgeous convertible with the best v8 and they really focus on the little details why didn't they put those engineers on the electric project and they could have had the opportunity to build the best electric car they don't and, want it, uh, Kyle. They, they simply to don't with... want it. And, and this comment here sums it up. I mean, L Lexus makes fantastic. Well, it sounds like from what you're telling me, everything about the car is was 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 very good. It's yeah, just it okay. the electric bits of it suck. Yes. And 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 you know it it really I I don't believe this to my core that they're really trying to nerf it so people say these electric cars think the car's a great car, right. but the electric part take they take too long to charge. You can't go on road trips. You know, the, the battery can't take excessive charging without slowing its rate down. It's like they they, they put out a great car and, and all of the parts that, you know, relate to it being electric, they, they forcibly make them bad. Like, and I can't believe that they're doing that on purpose. It's hard for me to, 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 to accept that a company would do that to their own product, knowing that the rest of the industry is doing this well. But time and time again, it seems like that the evidence just keeps coming out that they're they're just trying to make electric cars seem like they just don't work. Like the car's a great car, but the totally. electric bits, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is what electric cars, they charge slowly. They don't go far. Uh, you know, it's 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 just mind numbing to me because we know Toyota and Lexus can can build a great electric car if they wanted to. We know they can. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't get it. I don't get why these cars are just so bad. It's well, and if you look in the comments, someone's like, Greg says, bad on purpose comes from conspiracy theory lovers only. Not true. Because oh. all they have to do is drive a Tesla for 10 minutes and try and navigate somewhere. Say, I want to go anywhere in this Tesla. I'm going to go from their headquarters in Texas, their U.S. headquarters, and I want to drive to Denver. Well, what the Tesla does, and any normal, well-engineered electric car, 
says, you're going to stop here for 10 minutes, you're going to stop there for 20 minutes, and then you'll make it to your destination. There is no form of route planning. When I hit show me chargers in the display, it said there's a Tesla supercharger over here, there's a Tesla destination <laughs> charger down there. The car can't use those. So it's it's just take five minutes of effort to tune the car for the market and you would be fine. It does not charge terribly when you get it perfect though because i parked it i let it sit for 24 hours at really low state of charge i drove it gently over to the charger well maybe we warmed up the battery pack a little bit but it went from zero to 80 percent. i mean full zero to 80 it by the way it's still got 10 percent below zero which ryan did use in the range test um but i went to user displayed zero to 80 percent for the charging test it did it in 33 minutes which isn't bad yeah, but it wasn't right to the very end. It then went to 65 kilowatts and you know, then it just derated. It takes an hour and a half to go from 80 to 100%, whatever. It's not like you're really going to top charge this thing. You might need to with the poor range, but that was the one charge a day. Anything after that, 65 kilowatts. And how confused wow. will people be on a road trip, Kyle, if if they, you know, they... They, they exhaust the battery. They do their first DC fast charge. And, you know, in 40 minutes, they're back on the road. They're back up to, you know, 85% or whatever from a very low state of charge or 30 minutes, whatever. And then, you know, so they drive another 125, 150 miles. They stop to charge again. And now they're there for an, an hour and 40 minutes. How confused are they? You know, and saying, yeah. you know, um, you know, why is it taking so long? It must be the charger, you know, because my car just, you know, just two hours ago, it was charging just fine. This, this charge point charger sucks. You know, it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's mind numbing to me. Toyota has more battery experience than any auto manufacturer, more than Tesla, for Christ's sake. They've been making cars with batteries in by the millions for, for decades. And, and don't tell me they can't figure out a way to make a battery except more power. You know, it's just, right. it's, I, I, you know, I know we had a comment about conspiracy theory. Believe me, I'm like the last conspiracy theorist guy. I'm the oh, guy that- hold that, on one second. No, no, I am. My friends can't stand me. I call them yeah. all conspiracy theorists and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I find it hard to argue against this because I don't understand how Toyota could, unless, like Kyle said, they're just not putting their best- brains on on these vehicles and or giving them tiny budgets and say here you, you put a car out for 50 million dollars when they should be spending you know 400 million dollars on the engineering i, I it's or it's really mind i mean it could just come down to that that they don't also, think that they're going to sell so they just don't want to put any money into it but i still don't believe that even with a small budget they couldn't make the cars charge but for crying out loud put in a a, a a 48 amp onboard charger, not a 30 amp onboard charger, you know, like that, that's not that expensive and it's not a hard decision to make on a yeah. $70,000 car. It's stuck charging, you know, slower than, you know, my cars did in 2012. Like that's right. crazy. Also, why would they loan us one? <laughs> right. <laughs> like if they, they, they know what, yeah. I mean, like they obviously saw we were, we had the car on the schedule for a while. Like what? No one called me ahead of time and said like, Hey, just so you know, <laughs> and and honestly it's like you know same thing with bz4x like they i i emailed them for bz4x and said, hey i'm coming to california can i borrow one they're like "Ooh, yep sure <laughs> but i'm like you know what we're gonna say about it so i don't understand that either i really like the press people over there but it's like holy smokes you know the review before we get the car because they should know the car right well on the plus side of all this lexus is probably only going to sell like dozens so 
I think the impact on the overall market should be pretty minimal, really. But I think it, Tesla, it should be a wake up to a Toyota that you know this is not acceptable and that they're gonna everyone's gonna eat their lunch, basically. Well, but solid yep. state batteries are coming. We got them. Yeah. <laughs> hydrogen's coming yeah yeah no it's not <laughs> but anyway uh let's move along so kyle you didn't well, won't spend uh, too much more time on uh, the things there but you also did a cool video this week where you took your old audi e-tron and did the 10 percent challenge with it and then you did the same thing with the new q8 e-tron from audi and uh, it had interesting results Right, so maybe we should explain what the 10% challenge is to right. the viewers, which is um, we, of course, and we talked about it already, do these outright range tests, which is from 100% to where the car basically stops moving, seeing how far it can go at highway speeds. We also go a charging test where we go from zero to 100%. We get the car as set up as we possibly can, and we do this thing. They're a little bit like Nürburgring lap times because they're not real customer use cases. Um, you know, I can't get in a, in a BMW M3 and set the lap time that the test driver did around the Nürburgring, but it's nice to know the car can do that. It's a little bit like us with our range and charging tests. They're not real world applicable, but it's a great way to benchmark their cars stressed to their maximum. What we wanted to do was come up with a test that simulates the more real world road trip range of an electric vehicle. And the whole idea is we feel most people are comfortable pulling into a DC charger on a road trip around 10% state of charge. Now, if it's me or Dom, 2%, hell yeah, sign me up. If it's uh, you know my mom, 10%, she's probably pretty comfortable to start charging. And some people don't want to go above 20. So we chose 10%. You get to a DC charger that can give the car all the juice. And then we plug in for 15 minutes. What you're looking at now isn't actually part of the 10% challenge. This is after the test, uh, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we don't plug in at 5%. Uh, that was after we ran it down. But um, we charge, you know, we arrive to a charger at 10%, charge for 15 minutes exactly. And then we jump on the highway and drive 80 miles an hour, which is a much more realistic road trip speed especially here in the western part of the country and so we charge uh you know basically plug it in do that benchmark how far the cars will go and then still try and make it a loop style test and we get all the parameters set tire pressures etc cetera, etc cetera. and the old e-tron and the new e-tron perfectly matched each other at 73 miles wow that's amazing so there's the only reason to buy the new Q8 and spend three times as much money as a used 2019 e-tron is for that initial full charge range. But once you exhaust that full charge range, your actual road trip difference is no different. That was the big question, wasn't it? That was the big question of like, we knew that the old one had that immense charging curve and that they changed the charging curve uh, for the uh, for the for the upgraded one up upgraded it is upgraded but um then that's amazing to see your tests just give people that choice of like which which one do you want to get because they're both fabulous vehicles yeah and we've had a lot of viewers who just like to lease new cars or get new cars and they love their q8s and as would i and actually i think i might get an sq8 if it's really that spicy i, I could see us upgrading to that because i we just love this platform we love this car um it's such an awesome car mm. when 
And Audi really did a good job with like the real world usable stuff. But man, when you look at it on paper, it looks terrible. 225 miles of range. You're like, how can I get out of the driveway? Um, <laughs> but, you know, once you start using it, it's like, oh, no, it's actually the same exact road trip time as our Model 3 performance. It's no Lexus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Somehow the Lexus was less efficient than an e-tron in our range test. An e-tron gets how many watt hours per mile? Well, it's doing roughly 1.8 to 2 miles per kilowatt hour under normal driving around here. But in the range test, it did three. So like 500 watt Under daily per driving. Yeah, I would say under daily driving, the Lexus is probably still more efficient. But in the standardized yeah. range test, um, yeah, the Audi did pretty well just sitting at a constant. You know, It was tuned for 70. Right. Awesome. Um, okay. So that's the e-tron. And oh, yeah, so public service announcement. The Audi e-tron, if you're looking for a used electric vehicle, it's probably the best bargain out there. Uh, $30,000 with lowish kind of miles. Jump on it now because it might not last forever. I'd like, I would love to do a podcast, even if it was a semi-regularly or something with you guys, where the listeners sent us questions and we talked about this. Because I find it sad. Let us know in the comments if you, like me, enjoy talking about this stuff because... I know we're in different countries and, and whatever, but I I absolutely love learning about the used market and helping like consumer choices, even though it's not comparable to me. I love hearing stuff like that. I'd love to do a show like that. If you had questions for us, I'd jump on and, and answer that. Maybe a different time of the week to this show. Yeah. Um, just an idea. Let us know. Yeah, we should do that uh, every week, actually, a show like that, to pick so, a, a situation, like a somebody needs to buy a car, and they have this size family, they have this size budget, and maybe they have a few other concerns or features that they want and we'll put our collective minds to it and come up with some solutions uh, sounds good okay yeah it's going down well in the comments so okay we can make that happen yeah or like someone needs a charger for their house or, or five that. hour episode from tom yes <laughs> <laughs> and, and since kyle brought that up for those of you that have emailed me asking me for advice on which charger to buy and i haven't responded i'm sorry <laughs> i get close to 40 emails a day from people asking me to help them decide which charger to buy. And I just can't keep up with it anymore. I have to figure out what to do. I think I'm going to do something on state of charge where I do something like this, a live show or something and let people um, uh, ask questions because I feel bad. I always used to respond to everyone's emails and I feel like people are like, Oh, Tom's like big timing me. He's not responding to my email. It's because I get, I'm not kidding. Uh, on average, 30 to 40 emails every single day from people asking me, I have a, I just bought a BMW iX. Here's my, with a picture of their electrical panel. This is what I have available. Can you please recommend a charger? And it's like, I would, I would, I could just full time just answer people's emails. So unfortunately, if you sent me an email, it's not because I'm big timing you. I just can't, I don't have enough time to answer everyone's emails. Right. Maybe we'll so, do a show but, on that. Yeah. But if you're in a situation where you're looking for a car, you're shopping for a car, you're not sure what you want to buy, and you want some advice, batteries included podcast at gmail.com. Tell us your situation, your budget, what you're looking for, what features you absolutely need. And uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get on it and maybe put a show together for you. So really quick on that, following up what I just ranted about. Gary said Tom needs to set up his own chat GPT. So what I did was I just started a new website called evchargingstations.com and I'm going to have all my charging information there and I have a uh, a charger recommendation tool. It's not ready yet, 
but it's going to be 10 questions. It's going to ask you, what EV do you have? Um, yeah, what, what, uh, how, what, how much power do you have available at your house? Are you going to install this outside or inside? Um, a whole bunch of questions. And then it's going to spit out my top three recommendations for you with links to buy them from this site. So it's not ready yet, but um, that's, that's, the, uh, that's what I've been doing in my spare time. <laughs> right on. Yeah, this is going to be great because I get questions. Hey, can you ask Tom what is the best CVSE hashing? Wait, wait, I also well, love. You'll this. just I'm be able to website. send them to that link. You'll say, "Here, you you want you need a charger? Take this ten question test, and you'll get his top three recommendations." Tom, I love how your quick comparison guide is three pages long. <laughs> yeah. well, I still need some work refining the website. <laughs> it's really funny. it's a work in progress. Okay, you know site. I'm doing I, I my best. It. Yeah, it's epic. Yeah, and you got writers on this thing. Like it's a real legit site, so everyone should book. Yeah, I haven't and- announced it yet. I haven't been telling anybody. I've just been slowly building it, and I have some people writing news and just uh, you know we're 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 getting things going. But that's. uh that's going to be all things uh, charging equipment, adapters, uh, extension cables. I'm going to I'm going to have all the content on there. It's just going to be about EV charging. And when I do news stories like this, it will only be about EV charging news. I'm not doing car reviews. I'm not doing EV. You know, general news. It's just about charging. So this is my new favorite website, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe you'll come and make a guest appearance one day over there when I really launch it. Ooh, yeah. that would really tank things into the ground. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe we should talk about some news. Um, let's see. So let's talk about some Rivian stuff for a second. So the dual motor R1T is now rated for 410 miles on a charge. And that's because it that's with the new max pack uh, option. And that gives you a gross capacity now of... 180 no we thought it was going to be 180 kilowatt hours that was the number that was bouncing around you know max pack big pack great for towing just totally stretch your range actually it only has uh i think current driver estimates it at 142.3 kilowatt hours which is a bit of a stretch from 180 kilowatt hours and the price is uh ten thousand dollars lame yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of disappointment going around the internet right now with this uh, Rivian Max Pack thing. And Kyle, you have a Rivian. Yes. And did you have, you had a Max Pack on order, right? Yes, I still do actually. Oh, you still have it on order. Uh, are you going to fulfill that order, you think? No. No. Um, Lame. It needs a, it needs oh. a lot more. What is Rivian doing? I mean, I did a whole podcast on this on, on our show about like how annoyingly stupid this is. Um, but Rivian basically, my my whole understanding through the whole history of Rivian, rumors, talking to people at the company, was R1S could not get Max Pack because it was going to be a physically larger pack. Right. And the extended wheelbase of R1T allowed the room for the pack to come over. And it was going to be close to 200 kilowatt hours. There was rumors of it being high voltage um, for faster charging because, again, driving my truck around, having you know 130 kilowatt hours of usable capacity, maybe 126, 127 I can pull out of the battery, something like that. Tom has one as well. 
it's sometimes a pain to recharge this thing. When I'm like out and about, like on a road trip and I got to, I plug it into a level two charger. It almost doesn't make a dent because the truck uses a lot of energy. It's really heavy. It's got a huge battery. And if I'm in an area without super high power charging, it just takes like a 50 kilowatt chargers two two to three hours to charge this truck. So I was really hoping that max pack would be higher voltage and maybe more efficient and all these little things and have even more capacity so that while I'm towing, I can have appreciably more range. Mm. And that was the whole reason for me saying, I'm going to keep this truck. I love this truck. We'll use it for videos and stuff, but I want a max pack to tow. Now I definitely don't want a max pack to tow because all Rivian is doing is not changing the battery pack at all. It is the same exact layout, the same number of cells, 7,776 cells plus the flashlight. And I don't, and all they've done is change the chemistry of the cell. They just bought the next one up. What they really should do is just update the large battery pack with this chemistry and say, hey, no extra charge. We're just, you know, it's got a little bit more capacity now. And then the $10,000 upcharge should go to the 200 kilowatt hour big boy battery pack. That's actually measurably more usable. Um, it's not like you can, you know, like on a road trip while towing, you're you're using twice the amount of energy, which means that your range benefit between the standard large pack and the um, max pack is now halved. So your actual increase in range may have been, you know, 50 miles. Now it's 25 miles as an example, because you're burning energy twice as much. So it's really uh, it's really a bummer. They also only let you get max pack with the dual motor, which makes no sense because, again, there's no physical change to the battery pack or enclosure. They just want that 400-mile range on there. And they're charging people 10 grand. It's really crazy. And that's, what, 60, 58 miles, 60 miles extra? Of, of EPA-rated range, but right. real world, you're charging the truck to 70% every day. Right. I don't know. And so, uh, yeah. Why does raw kilowatt hour? Does the max pack have to be more efficient? Um, max pack is only more efficient than most of the large pack Rivians because they're only letting you get it with a more efficient dual motor system. But if you get the large pack dual motor and the max pack dual motor, well, I mean, we're going to set it up. We're going to run them side by side. I I don't think you're going to see much more range at all. I mean, I, it's going to go farther. It's got more energy capacity. Another 15, 20 kilowatt hours, maybe it sounds like something like that. Um, but is it going to be $10,000 worth of going farther? I, yeah. I can't imagine it would. So I'm sorry to have such a, I, I love Rivian. I'm actually doing a whole bunch of stuff with Rivian after this podcast today. Some cool things, uh, you know, that, that people will see in two weeks or something like this, but I just can't get over the $10,000 upcharge, which it's always been a $10,000 upcharge, but Tom, like in your truck, if they said, hey, you could have a slightly more energy-dense chemistry and maybe we'll reduce the buffers a little bit more just to stretch it, would you spend ten grand for that? 3500 Yeah, sure. I'd pay wow. 3500 for that. Not ten grand. No, right. not at all. And and they cleverly, like, you know, didn't change the which you know, the four hundred mile goalpost, which is what I think a lot of people look at and say, Oh, I'm gonna get the match pack, max pack, it has more than four hundred miles. But when you dive into the details of how they got to that, which you just explained perfectly, it's a little convoluted. You know, it's it's still, it, you know, they're still, we're still delivering the 400. You can have the 300 mile EV, you can have the 400 mile EV, which is kind of what they said in the beginning. But then the 300 mile EV turned out to be three. 
320 or what is it? 320. I think it's 352, 350, something like that. No, the, uh, the, the, the large, the, pack. large pack, three, yeah, 350. No, it, oh, really? It got increased yeah, to three. Cause a dual motor. Oh, the dual motor. I'm sorry. Yeah, you yeah. have to do drive. Yeah. You have to, you have to go dual motor to dual motor hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, 50 mile EPA, what's that? What's it going to translate when you're towing something or when, when it's cold in the winter, you know, you're, you're paying 10 grand for an extra 30 miles, maybe. And you're not even full charging your truck every day. Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah, I really, yeah, exactly. I, I hate to be such a downer on it, but I can't recommend I the max pack. So no, I can't, I can't absolutely unless you have can't. all the money in the world. Yeah, and you're just yeah, like, but, I want but, the best but, one. But quite honestly, I wasn't recommending max pack before me personally, right. unless you know, you need it. And you, if you need it, you know, you need it. Like if you're towing, if you drive crazy miles, like Kyle does, but for, I, I would say the better part of 90% of potential Rivian customers, uh, 353 miles is is more than what you need you might go overlanding or you might go deep into you know off roads then you want as many miles as you can and that kyle talks about that a lot but most of the owners maybe aspire to do that but they're not gonna be doing that 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 much with with rivians i mean it depends where you live also kyle, where kyle lives out in colorado people are going to be more likely to drive many hundreds of miles and to go deep off-road than they are here in the metro area of new jersey but let me tell you this is a hotbed for rivians in my little sleepy town of chester which is a tiny little rural area there's like five rivians here <laughs> you know I, 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 so like this is a, a a real hotbed here for for rivian so most customers that the, do not need max pack and i didn't think they needed it when it, when i thought it was going to be 180 coat now they really don't need it i, I mean if it I charged just, better right if it had a better charging curve and it had better thermal longevity maybe we don't know about the thermals i already know about the charging curve it's yeah. the same as the current truck it actually is longer to charge it's by about three to five minutes is what i've heard right. than the current one on a on a deep charge only because yeah. they're good. 500 amp limited so you just sit there longer um, but that also means you're taking in more energy at high current, which can lead to earlier thermal derate, which they've been working on massively with yeah. software. Uh, and it has gotten a lot better. But th these are just all considerations here. Um, and I also have to point out, if you have an early reservation for a max pack, like our friend Misco Electric has one, it really isn't actually 10 grand. At that point, it's kind of worth it. Maybe to spend a little bit more, you get better resale value. Like what Tom said, if it's a few grand, then yeah. cool. Right. Um, but you know, if you are into one of these buying them right now, then yeah, I, can't I don't know. And, yeah. and you can tell Rivian, this was not the plan all along because they didn't want to offer max Mac in R one S. So this is just a last minute. Ah, let's, I think what they did was they're like, we kind of canceled development. This is just all speculation on Kyle's part here, truly. Um, but I think to be a conspiracy theorist, which Tom can deny me later. Um, <laughs> I think they said, hey, let's stop, you know, engineering on MaxPack. Let's focus on driving revenues. And, you know, the cell manufacturer called and said, hey, we got this updated cell. Do you want to put it in your truck? And they went, yeah, let's charge 10 grand for it. <laughs> and I well, suppose if they, if, if they sold it on range and they've hit the 400 mile mark, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you reserved a vehicle based on, because I don't know what, you know, when, when our friend, Miss Guy Electric, when she reserved her vehicle and the, all the others, you know, Early. did they reserve on 400 miles or 180 kilowatt hours? And if they were buying it on 400 miles and they Rivian have delivered that, they've done nothing wrong at all. So right. um, I, I don't know. I, have, I haven't got the order page of two years ago, so I can't see it. So yeah, well, they kind of did because you, you were getting a, a, a quad motor with 400 miles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Back then. And now you're getting a dual motor. So they did 
kind of switch it up on you. Yeah. 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 But I think Rivian is not doing anything malicious here. What they're trying to do is save money in R and D and engineering and, and generate revenue to keep the company alive. This is not the way to go about it though. This is not, a genuine effort on making a new battery pack and you can tell because they do not want to talk to me about this battery i was over at the rivian factory recently and i was in a max pack truck and they're like oh we really don't want to talk about this like ah we're here to showcase the drivetrains i'm like no tell me about the battery and then finally someone's like we didn't change the battery it's just a chemistry change and i'm like ah god damn it like what are you doing um but anyway we've invited rj onto this podcast maybe he has a different take where he can explain uh, you know, where the benefits of max pack come in. Cause of course, when towing your range increase is going to be halved. So now you have like a 25 mile difference, which, um, you know, doesn't seem like that much to me. So uh, we've invited RJ on probably early next year is what we're targeting. That's what I suggested to the Rivian folks. And we'll see if they take us up on our offer and he can, we can talk about all these things with the man himself. That's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. Um, so just to stay on this on Rivian for just for a second, and uh, Martin mentioned this earlier in his EV daily, EV news daily weekly reporting roundup. Um, a lot of articles out this week talking about Rivian losing thirty three thousand dollars per vehicle. Somebody mentioned in the comments here. I I think this has got to be, in my opinion, the most unhelpful way to think about Rivian's current position. It makes it sound like it's uh, has a very gross vehicle margin. A negative gross vehicle margin, but it doesn't really say anything about the company's financial future because it kind of ignores what's going on broadly. Uh, so, because it's building this huge factory in Georgia for vehicle mo- for vehicle models that will have higher volumes and, of course, more revenue, its its current build rate at its normal plant is is, is they're doing very well. They're, they've increased their they were struggling for a while get their numbers up to get. Uh, uh, everything up to speed properly, but now the numbers are starting to build up, and they might even uh, surpass their their yearly um, goals for vehicle manufacturer there. So, and they have what ten, almost ten billion dollars left in cash, uh, and they've got more you know levers they can pull. They could do a cash raise possibly, or I mean, there's a number of things they can do. Just I just think thirty three thousand dollars per vehicle loss is just kind of a, a not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but I'll move on. That was my little my little rant. Um, I, I love that your rants are the least ranty. They're so they're so polite <laughs> and considered and well balanced. <laughs> Canadian rant. I'm sorry. Meanwhile, <laughs> we're like Lexus. What are you doing? <laughs> None. Either. And, and uh, Greg, right? uh, Greg makes a good comment here. Um, you know, people are are criticizing. Uh, all the companies about that that are negative on their EV lines, even existing brands like Ford, right, Ford. and they're losing money on every Lightning, on every Mach E. Sure. The, the, you know, the the transformation of the industry to convert to electric vehicle production is an enormous investment. It's an insanely enormous investment, and and it's part of the reason why the established brands have been keeping EVs at arm's length for a while. It's not necessarily that they don't think they're going to work or that they don't think that they're the future. It is the fact that they know there's going to be a decade of pain, that the investors are going to be angry. The Mm -hmm. stockholders are going to be angry. 
CEOs are going to be fired. Top management people are going to be fired when they're losing money quarter after quarter after quarter. But it is a necessary transition and a necessary investment. And, you know, we're going to see this constantly now, especially from people that want to spread anti-EV rhetoric about how these things don't make money. You'll never make money on them. It's right. because the enormous investment that it's going to take for companies to build new factories, to develop new supply lines, to, to you know, just to make this transition. So don't be surprised when you see this company's losing X amount of dollars per vehicle. That's just the way it's going to be for a while. Look at how long it took Tesla to, to, to get profitable. And Tesla actually had it relatively easy. And I'll explain why it sounds, it, that might sound crazy. It wasn't easy, but easy by comparison, because what they were, they, what they were putting out were vehicles that were unparalleled. Nobody could compete with what Tesla was putting out. So now all these car companies have tough competition and Tesla's their competitors too. So it's even harder for them to sell vehicles. So, you know, what? while, yes, it was on one hand very hard for Tesla to do this because they were doing something that everyone was saying is impossible. You're never going to do it. You're going to fail. You could never do, you can't build affordable, fun, fast electric vehicles that, that, uh, that are fun to drive and that, that, you know, can charge quickly. And they proved wrong with that. But you, you look at all these other car companies now, and now they're they're trying to spool up to develop EVs, and the competition is so stiff. So it, it's this is going to be very painful for this whole industry. Nobody, none of the executives that work for these companies are looking forward to the next five or six years. And I talked off the record with Jim Farley about this, um, you know, about how it's going to be so, and I kind of chuckled and said, you know, and I said this to him before the interview started, I said, it must be great to be the CEO of, of, a, of a major company, but it also must be terrible with the timing because you know, Jim, that th the next five years, six years, eight years is going to be hell, you know, and it, you'll, you'll, you'll be lucky if you survive it without them, you know, coming for you with pitchforks because the transformation is going to be very painful. And he's like, we, we know that. And yes, yeah. it's going to be very painful. So yeah, I, I got firsthand experience of working for two places that were listed companies, and one of them went private. We ended up being owned by actually three three companies, uh, uh, but um, and two of them went went private. And one of the companies that I was working for, you know, every three months, like we'd all get together, and and the CEO would talk about the the share price and and the targets that were hit and stuff like that. And you know, we I mean, it was when I was running radio stations back many years ago, and I'm uh, we're the best one in the world. I didn't didn't hold shares. I don't you know I, I don't really care. The minute we became a privately held company by you know. Very very rich German family worth many, many billions. And all the conversations changed. Well, let's invest in this and let's invest in that. And we're going to do this thing just because we think it's a good thing as a as a long shot. And they've signed off on the investment on that. And you your thinking went from every three months, this 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 treadmill from being a three-monthly report to uh, you know, oh, you know, maybe we cut back on marketing for three months and we'll report to the city some better results. To, to it just changes the way you think. So I'm not I wouldn't want to be any of these CEOs at auto company. I wouldn't mind the salary, but uh they got a really hard job to convince people to stay calm, be cool, stick with us. We're gonna get there. Um when you're doing that every three months and you're losing money. So yeah. just just speaking of uh Ford though, I think they've made a good choice with Jim Farley. I think he's really the right guy for this period of time, this transition. And uh yeah, if he pulls it off, he'll have a, a legacy, you know. Yeah, I think it's the right guy at the right time, Dom. Yeah. I completely agree. And then talking to Ford, I mean, we should touch on this. I mean, we're really up against yeah. it today because we've got oh, another quick. thing to get to as well, haven't we, in 15 minutes? But um uh the, I I I want to hear, you know, Tom 
and Kyle and, and Dom, your thoughts on this. Seems like a uh, sort of a compromise kind of truck and it's got all the tech and it's got the big screen and 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 the set under 70 grand price. So again, they seem to be listening to their consumers and doing the right thing. I think our friend Brandon Flash needs to buy this. Really? <laughs> Well, uh, oh, I've got, oh my yeah. God, I come so slow on that. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, like, well, I want to hear Tom's opinion because he's a F-150 Lightning owner. And so, lover. And lover, right? Absolutely. Still, you know, year plus. Absolutely love it. That's, you know, I've got the Rivian, my R1S. I got the Bolt and I had the Lightning in the driveway. And I hop in that damn Lightning every day and drive it, you know, and right. leave the other two behind. I, I love how it drives, and I really love everything about it. Um, and I'm driving up. I'm driving up to Vermont this weekend, and uh, we'll be taking the Lightning for sure. Do you um, love how it doesn't show you charging speed when you're DC fast charging? No, I hate that. <laughs> and, uh, that you know, it was but, just the but, first thing. That but came here's the thing, okay. honestly, uh, uh, Kyle, I don't DC fast charge often. I only do sure. for my recordings and everything. I just yeah. don't need to, you know, right. with three, 250, 300 miles of range, I can go almost anywhere I ever need to go. My in-laws live 220 miles away. I don't have to stop and charge. You know, I, I, I've, I've got, I've got a charger in their garage. So even on the longest trip that I take, I don't have to. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and that's, you know, I'm putting together a one year ownership, my, my likes and dislikes for the lightning. And that's like one of top of the list. Um, so David's David school of me that that uh, that charges are really called EVSCs. I'm not going to beat that into the ground anymore. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I have to. I, I, th I actually think I'm going to make a dedicated video on that. And why it's so stupid that people insist calling them EVSE. No, no um, offense to David. But, yeah, I mean, go to every single website of people that are actually selling them, the companies that are actually selling them, and see what they call them. They all call them chargers. Now we yeah. know technically they aren't chargers because right. the charger's built in into the vehicle. But everybody that is going to buy one of these things doesn't say, mm, "I need a new EVSE." You know, <laughs> like they say, "I got to get a charger for my car." So we have to talk in a language that people understand. Explain to them that there's a charger built into the car that this doesn't actually charge the car; it just supplies electricity safely. But I think the you know the EVSE police is a little ridiculous but and anyway EVSC, um, so EVSC stands, EVSC stands for electric vehicle service equipment I supply believe? equipment supply equipment yeah because it supplies get... electricity safely to the vehicle um but that ship has sailed yeah n the nobody's going to refer to them as that so i think us as professionals that do this for a living and talk about it I think it's muddying the waters calling it EVSC. I think it's actually a negative to do that. I think we can talk about it in our videos and say, hey, guys, this doesn't actually charge your your your, your car. The charger is built in the car, but right. it supplies electricity to to your onboard charger, the inverter that charges it. Any event, we I always get that. And I, I think it's I think it's silly. But um, where were we? <laughs> uh, really oh, the lightning. Uh, oh, yeah, the flash. Uh, I th I think um, I, it's great. It's seventy five hundred less than my Lariat. It has most of the features that you would want in in a Lariat. You know, it's got the extended range battery. It's you know, it's got the big screen. So hey, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good you know a, a great way to get most of the features you would have in a Lariat um, for seventy five hundred less, and it still qualifies for the full federal federal tax credit. So you know, I mean, this is. You know, Ford's doing a good job with the with 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 the cost. I mean, if you remember, they kept raising the cost on the Lightning for a while as their costs went up, 
and uh, now they're getting a little relief from the pressure of the the supply shortage and everything, and their prices are lowering. And now with this new model that fits nicely between the XLT and the Lariat, I think it's a good option, and I think it's something that's going to be a popular option. To be honest with you, right? I, so let's talk about some other price cuts and and uh, market situations. Uh, actually, I want to mention the Tesla's thing, but. Uh, Mark Mackie vlog just in the comments mentioned if I can find it again that the yeah, you got it. Ford is offering $9,250 off Mach E's. That's interesting. I have to look into that, but that's what Mackie vlog is saying, and they know Mackie, so I would take their word for it. But the news, the other news I want to talk about is well, so Tesla had another price drop. Uh, Yesterday evening, I think so. Some of their models are a bit cheaper by a thousand, two thousand dollars. Uh, model three, I don't know if we have any details on that. Any of us, yeah. Model Y performance is now like 52 grand, which is like the craziest hot hatch with drift mode and all the crazy stuff. For and it gets $7,500 tax credit. And here in Colorado, we get an additional $5,000 tax credit. And if you live in New Jersey, you pay no tax. Um, with those incentives as well. Although, did New Jersey run out of your EV $5,000 deal, Tom? So it did, but it's refunded now, I'm pretty sure. It, it runs out every year. It is, as you would imagine, the worst run state incentive program ever. So th we the, the way it works, and I'll try to be quick with this so people understand, we that, we budgeted, I deal. think, um, uh, $300 million over 10 years uh, for these EV incentives. And it was 30 million per year. So um, every year, and it starts like in September-ish of each year, I think it, August or September. So every year, the, the 30 million runs out soon, quick, faster and faster. The first year it lasted like 10 months. Then we sell, we sell more EVs every year. So then the next year it ran out like eight months. Then it ran out in six months. So now I think it just got refunded in September. I'm not sure if it's if it's active yet. I'm pretty sure it is. But that's what happens. But then it gets refunded because the money is there. It's been signed into law. They can't remove it, but the, it runs out every year. And I, I've, I've actually was involved with organizations that have, you know, influence on this. I used to sit on on the monthly board meetings on how this was going to be implemented, and I was so frustrated in in how they were doing it. And my 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 recommendation was instead of having it for ten years, I don't think we need incentives for ten years pull that that 300 million into the next six years because after six years from now by 2030 we won't need incentives because the price of the evs is going to be so much lower and um you know we, we, it's gonna we're gonna be at cost parity and even if you don't do that if you if you don't do that then lower the per vehicle incentive instead of you know five thousand cash on the hood make it 2500 and then at least make it so the money lasts all year round because it it wreaked havoc with the dealerships. The dealerships didn't know if it was going to run out or not. So they would sell you an EV and and then you'd find out when it got delivered a month later, oh, the funding just ran out last week. So you don't get that money. <laughs> they changed that. So now the dealer knows and and the dealer can reserve the money. Like when I bought my Bolt last year, I had to sign a document and I locked in my, my um, rebate. And then the, the the rebate, actually, the money ran out before I got my car, but it was reserved for my car because I, I had locked it in. It didn't do that in the beginning. You would order your car and then pick it up like two months later and find out you had no money. You, you, you got no rebate. 
So it, 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 what a horribly run. I, I'm so disgusted. It, it had so much promise and it still does. It's just the devil's always in the details and it's just such a poorly run program. I wish we would, we would correct it. So the other big news on this, on, on Tesla this week, besides knocking a few grand off uh, some of the prices, they also reintroduce the rear wheel drive Tesla Model Y. That's uh, so it's going to be forty five thousand dollars. Forty five thousand. Actually, this number isn't maybe not any good anymore. <laughs> they did not adjust the pricing on the rear wheel drive Y. Okay, so it's so, forty six. I think forty five six thirty. Okay, gives you two hundred sixty miles of range, an LFP battery. Uh, the EPA documents tell us the battery is sixty point nine kilowatt hours. It offers two hundred sixty five horsepower. Again, according to this EPA document that I looked at, uh, yeah. So rear wheel drive is a the cheapest Model Y option now, I guess. Uh, so I'm not the hugest LFP battery fan, but I, some of you, like I know uh, Kyle. What's your name, Kyle? Yeah, um, you're pretty hot on this. What do you think? Yeah, I love LFP. Uh, there's no reason not to have it. I think you can full charge it every day. It sustains performance all the way to 1% state of charge. As far as we can tell, this is the same battery pack that's in the rear wheel drive three LFP, which we've done a lot of testing on. It's also, um, it's also a great uh, uh, car, that Model 3 LFP, because it's one of the only Teslas that manages to match its EPA range rating on the highway. And so when it said 260 something miles, it got 260 something miles in our highway range test. First time ever for a Tesla. They're okay. incredibly magically efficient. You do not have to care about the battery at all. Full charge that thing all the time. It only has 170 kilowatt peak versus the 250 of the bigger batteries, but it just sits there and it's got a great curve and it fast charges up top pretty well. And uh, rear wheel drive Model Y is forty three nine ninety. Yeah, it looks like um, maybe yep. they did lower it. Maybe they did lower it, uh, but it's forty three nine ninety. Unless um, car and driver is just including uh, destination, which oh, they do sometimes. Right. Uh, so we should always just use the Tesla website for those. Um, anyway, um, yeah, all all good stuff. Love this car. Looks really good, and uh, no no uh, no issues for me with this car other than yeah it'd be cool if it was all-wheel drive it's a little bit slow but it's a great gateway into a tesla it's a great reasonable price and not everyone needs to go fast or charge i mean yeah it still charges pretty well but yeah. all-wheel drive i think is really the only weird thing but it's very different than the old rear-wheel drive why in our market right I would, my I would camera totally just given up is my camera yes. just overheated yes. <laughs> thermal management on my sony camera <laughs> <laughs> All right. The one thing I will point out, and it's interesting, and I don't like, I don't uh, really criticize websites and, and other writers or whatever, but that car and driver article that you pointed out, uh, a, re a reader of mine sent me the link and they make no mention whatsoever of the federal tax credit. And, um, you know, on an article that's about price and cost and how it's well, great yeah, that they lowered the deal. cost should have at least thrown that in there you know that mm -hmm. hey this does for those this qualifies and uh, this new low forty three thousand dollar price can be uh you know down into the 30s because this qualifies for the federal tax credit so they basically sent it to me and say hey they didn't mention it here so can i assume this one doesn't qualify Ooh. for the tax credit so that's yeah. why it's important to make sure you include it because people assume well you're an authority if 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 it did qualify you would have certainly put that in there so right just very good point. Good We're not job. sure what factory makes this car yet. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or is it might? 
Mm. Well, the, the pack's got to come in over from China. Yeah. So rear being... wheel drive LFP3 qualifies for the tax credit, yeah. even though the battery is Chinese. Um, so. And so probably the same with Y, but are they building this in Fremont? Is this what they're filling up Y production with? Because they canceled 4680 at Giga Austin. Um, do we know where? Someone says it has to be Fremont. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I put my money on Fremont. Or because the Canadians were getting uh, Shanghai built cars. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a Chinese one. I, I don't mean, think we've a, seen one I delivered I can't believe yet. that they would ship them. Here there's a lot of capacity in out of Shanghai, but uh, yeah, we'll look into that for next well, maybe time. I mean, that's they already they got the boats coming over here to Canada. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, maybe that's why they didn't mention the uh, $7,500 federal tax credit. No, it because... says it on the Tesla website that it qualifies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there when you I go. go to Tesla.com, it's going to be free vehicles, Model Y, order, just let's just not uh, give our viewers wrong advice here. It says all new Model 3 and Model Y qualify for $7,500 yeah. tax credit. So there you go. Right. And Colorado gets an additional five grand. Eric Garcia suggests maybe Berlin, LOL. <laughs> all yeah, right. But we're almost out of time. Uh, yeah. We got to go real soon. We got to keep it tight today. But we just have two more stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> We're not going to get to those. No, we, oh, we just no. have to mention them. You just we, have to I mention just, them. Let's just mention them. So Go there ahead. is okay. a new Lucid uh, trim level available now. The Pure rear-wheel drive starts at 77400 It's the most affordable Lucid ever. Uh, and w- w- Quick word about that. Yeah, no. Not really much to say. Not really much to say about that, right? The Sapphire is shipping. That's their fastest uh, Lucid Air ever and probably more most expensive. Um, yeah. And so, then Hyundai joins next. And Hyundai joins yeah. next with Kia and Genesis. And right. they are. It, it sounds like the rumors are uh, the 800 volt system. Tesla's not adapting their stuff, and it sounds like Hyundai Kia are not adapting their stuff. You'll be limited to the onboard boosters ca- capacity until you plug into a version four. That's what's the rumor. A, so that's what a, speed like, is that? hundred kilowatts. Uh, it's actually different for different cars because in Europe on V3, they only do 43 kilowatts. Yeah. On V2 CCS, they do 100. That's what the inverter is capable of. Why do I have a giant thumbs up over my face? I don't know. Oh. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah. So it's a um, big question mark right now. But I emailed Hyundai and they're like, we're committed to mm. giving everyone mm. a good experience. So maybe Tesla will just swap V3 to 800 volt. I hope they do. Yeah, hopefully. I've already great. gone into how it shouldn't be that hard for them to do it. Right. Oh, speaking of Tesla superchargers, uh, first possible V4 superchargers have appeared in Wilsonville, Oregon, but they seem to be V4 dispensers with V3 internals. So they charge like a a V3, but they look like V4 for now. Yeah, there's a little picture of it if you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch or formerly Twitter X. Facebook, I think we're on there as well. Facebook, we're on there as well, yes. And hopefully soon to be on LinkedIn. Like us on LinkedIn, and we can uh, broadcast there as well. All right. So I think that brings us to the end of our show. If you have any questions or comments, please leave uh, leave them below or get in touch with us on Twitter, where we are at Batteries Inc. Pod, or on Threads, where we, are, where we are Batteries Included Podcast. You can also follow Martin on Twitter or Threads at EV News Daily on Twitter X. Tom is at Tomalog with two M's and Tom Logney on Threads. I'm Dominic Yoni on Threads and in real life. Kyle is, a, it's Kyle Connor on Twitter and goes by Virtual Kyle on Threads. Don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us. It's been great spending time with you today. 
And we'll see you all again very soon. Ciao.